Welcome. You're listening to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. Whether you attend locally in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, or are just jumping in to listen to this weekend's service, we're so glad you're here. In this Advent season, we're taking time in Isaiah's prophecies, and more specifically, the names given to Jesus in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. He is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Through this season, we want to grow in our relationship with Him and knowledge of our King Jesus so that we can worship and walk with Him, not just as we celebrate Christmas, but throughout the whole year. If you want to join us this holiday season or want to find out more about our church, you can visit us online at harvestcommunity.org. As Aaron lights our third Advent candle, This morning, I want to welcome you to the third week of Advent, these four weeks where we get ready to celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. We remember that he came 2,000 years ago. We know that he's here now with us, and we anticipate the day that he is coming again. I want to read our passage for us that's guiding all four weeks of Advent, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal or Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Our name this morning is Everlasting or Eternal Father. Everlasting Father. This is the third name. We began, uh, our friend Dave was here, and he introduced us to Wonderful Counselor. Last Sunday, We celebrated mighty God and what that enables in our lives. And here this morning, the third of four names prophesied of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, everlasting Father. But the third name for Christ is, for the Son, is Father. Does that strike anyone as a bit odd? I must admit I wasn't prepared for it. I sort of launched into Isaiah 9. These are all four names of Jesus, and we'll just unpack them week by week. And then I got to just step one, open up Isaiah chapter 9 and read verse 6. And oh, wait, Father, how is the Son the Father? I was trying to remember that song, my, I'm My Own Grandpa. I thought it was Animaniacs, but I, I, that's what I grew up with, the show Animaniacs. Um, but it actually goes uh, further than that. Um, <laughs> how is the son the father? And all joking aside, that's going to be the burden of our next moments together this morning. How is the son the father, the everlasting father? But just like that phrase stopped me in my tracks, in my study, my preparation for this sermon, so a case of mistaken identity can enter all of our discussions about God. And I would like to call your attention to that this morning. 
and this may be a sobering fact for you, but I want to present it to you. That what you may think of as God, the picture, the experience that may be in your mind may actually have little to do with the God of the Bible. More importantly, the God who has always lived, who is now reigning, and who always will be our eternal father. And I I would actually beg you this morning to submit what picture you have of God in your head to the scripture, the word of God, and what the spirit of God wants to do. This is especially important this morning as we use the word father. Because whether you like it or not, for better or for worse, the word father first triggers in your mind a foundation that was laid by your earthly father for better or for worse. And even if it's for better, it is massively imperfect and falls short of the biblical vision of God our Father. And so I just want to admit that difficulty. I'm sorry for that. And I I know that I can't solve that with a sermon, but I do want to just call that out. And then on top of it, we have what religious leaders have formed in our minds about God. We have what institutions and churches have told us about God, and not all of it is right and true. And so this morning, we're going to come to the Scripture's everlasting Father and understand what is true, the true identity of God, and discover what it means together that Christ actually has the characteristics of the Father. Mistaken identities happen all the time. I actually uh, researched this a little bit lightly yesterday, and the most amusing case of mistaken identity I found, some of you may have heard about, but I'm going to have us watch a video in just a second. One man, Guy Goma, shows up to the BBC studios for a job interview. Just a low-level job, but at the same time that Guy Cuny shows up for an on-air expert interview regarding the music industry as it relates to some changes with Apple. And I would just like us to see this case of mistaken identity together. industry and the growth of music online. Well, Guy Cuny is the editor of the technology website News Wireless. Hello, good morning to you. Good morning. Were you surprised by this uh, verdict today? I'm very surprised to see this verdict to, to come on me because I was not expecting that. When I came, uh, they told me something else and I'm coming. You got an interview there, so it's a big surprise anyway. A big surprise. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, with regards to uh, the cost that's in, in involved, um, do you think uh, now more people will be downloading online? Uh, actually, if you can go everywhere, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of people downloading uh, to the internet uh, and the website, uh, everything they want. But I think uh, it's 
is much better for the development and uh, to improve people what uh, they want and to get uh, on the easy way and so fast uh, the things they're looking for. This does really seem to be the way the music industry is progressing now, that people want to go onto the website and download music. Exactly. You can go everywhere on the cyber cafe and you can check, you can go easy, it's gonna be very easy way for everyone to get something to the internet. Thank you, thanks very much indeed. I think we can now also speak to all right, all right. So we can see that mistaken identity can happen. I, what I found fascinating is just um, actually just horrifying. Um, so this guy shows up. I, I would like to know what the job was that he showed up for, but he shows up for an interview and pretty soon he's being like whisked away by the production staff being wired up with a microphone and just the horror that must have set in on that poor man. But he, I, he did a good job thinking on his feet. I, you have to respect. You have to, I would not have done as well as he did. We can talk about God from who we think God is. Pastors can go to school for decades and preach on who God is and they can get it wrong. We're fallible. We need the light of, of truth to guide us. And so all I'm asking this morning is that we submit our view of God as Father to Scripture. Would you go with me? as we go back into Isaiah 9. So verse 6, he's not only wonderful counselor, the mighty God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is our eternal or everlasting Father. Father, in Isaiah 9, 6, speaks to the lowercase f, fatherly care that Christ provides for his people. The fatherhood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, means that he cares for his people with fatherly compassion and protection. Jesus Christ is eternal. He has always lived and he's always lived full of compassion for his people. And Jesus will live forever full of compassion and care for us. Regardless of our experiences with our earthly fathers, I beg us this morning to hear that Jesus Christ, the Messiah who came, who lives and reigns now and who will come again, has divine, perfect, fatherly care and compassion for each one of us here. According to scholar and writer Alec Motyer, a known commentator on the book of Isaiah, to this passage, he says, the word father to Jesus Christ pertains to the following three things, care and concern for the helpless, care or discipline of his people. And I thought this was interesting. The people's loyal and reverential, I might add worshipful response to him. So what does it mean that Jesus Christ is father? It means that Jesus Christ has a fatherly care for his people, that he is concerned for his people in both their protection and discipline as a perfect father should and does, and that his people respond to him in a way that people would respond to a perfect father in a very reverential, awe-filled, and loyal way. 
And my prayer is, fast forward to the ending of our time together here in this service, that we would go through these passages that I believe will embed in our hearts the care and compassion that Christ has for each one of us. And then we're going to have an opportunity to go to the table and sing. And I hope that our Father receives the loyal adoration that He deserves from His children. Let's go there to that end. So the child, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, not God the Father, is our eternal Father, our everlasting Father. And it means this, everlasting. He has always lived into eternity past. Christ has lived and he always will live into the future. He's everlasting. He is eternal and he is Father, fatherly in his care for and protection of his people. This was prophesied in Micah, not only in Isaiah 9, 6, which is our passage for Advent, but in the book of Micah. Not only that he would be born, but where he would be born. Micah 5, verse 2 says this, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. From ancient times, in this prophecy that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, he's been born, he's from antiquity, he's from ancient times. It is very important, this may sound simple to some of you, but I want us to grasp it this morning. In our view of Jesus Christ, God did not create Jesus Christ to be born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. His origin is from eternity past. Jesus Christ has always lived. In fact, when things were created, everything was created through Jesus Christ. He is the word through which God created all things. Jesus Christ came in the flesh 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem as prophesied. Matthew the very first book of the New Testament breaks a 400-year silence. Now, let me help you grasp that. We've read from Isaiah this morning and now Micah. So here's what happened. About, Isaiah is about 550 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah is saying that one will become who will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, 550 years. And the prophets are longing for this perfect king to sit on David's throne. But then there was a time recorded in history by the biblical authors and authors outside of Scripture where no prophet spoke and people wondered if God would ever speak again. People were languishing in the wilderness, in the darkness, on their own, wondering, when would this Messiah come? But they're not even hearing from prophets for 400 years. The Gospel of Matthew breaks this 400-year silence with the news that Jesus Christ was born in the city of Bethlehem, but expands on this prophecy. Let's look at Matthew 2, verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. He's quoting Micah but now expanding because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew elaborates on the prophecy of Micah by adding that this ruler from ancient times will, listen, shepherd God's people. 
This image of Jesus as shepherd perfectly illustrates the fatherly care that Isaiah prophesied over 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, such that when Jesus arrives on the scene in our world, on our planet Earth, he is called the shepherd who will shepherd the people Israel. Shepherd displays perfectly the fatherly and compassionate care that Isaiah was talking about when he said Jesus would be called everlasting father. So now let's watch Jesus in his first advent, his first arrival into this world, arrive on our planet and walk the face of the earth. In Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Harvest, when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came into this world 2,000 years ago, He had compassion on the people that He saw because they were distressed and dejected. That's the CSB, the Christian Standard Version that I've been using lately. But the ESV, which we use a lot as well, and the NIV, which I know a lot of you use, uses this. Because they were harassed and helpless. Because they were distressed and dejected because they were harassed and helpless. Harvest, this is the first building block that I would like to give to us this morning to rebuild from a biblical foundation our view of what it means that God is our Father. Like I said, I don't know what that idea of this almighty God the Father from everlasting triggers in your mind, but I am telling you here with the authority of God's Word, by people who were with Jesus and wrote down their experiences with Jesus, that when God sent His Son out of love into this world, and Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah, walked among us, He looked out, over the people, and he was aware of them. He was aware of their condition, that they were distressed, that they were dejected, that they were harassed, they felt harassed and helpless, and he was aware of them, he was present with them, and then he was moved by them. Do you see that? In, in Matthew 9.36, he not only saw the crowds that he was present with, but he felt compassion for them because of their condition. Far from being overlooked, Jesus not only notices the state of his people, but is moved by their condition. I kind of think that distressed, dejected, harassed, and helpless might describe people in 2023 in this world. I believe that those words likely describe how many of you feel in this room. And so out of a desire to rebuild your view of God from his word, I, I want to speak to you directly this morning. I want to speak to you in this room, and I want to speak to people outside of this room that you believe, well, what about God? How could a, a good and a, a loving God, how, how could he be so far from people that are harassed and helpless? I, I want to speak to you this morning 
that when God came 2,000 years ago, he showed us what everlasting father meant in that he saw his people. Jesus sees you. Jesus is present with you. And knowing your condition, Jesus, the one through whom all things were made, is moved by what he sees. Far from being a distant, absent, unfeeling, calloused father, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God's own son, everlasting father, the mighty God, sees you, is present with you, and is moved by what he sees. This is Jesus Christ, your everlasting father. Now let's turn to John's gospel and hear Jesus talk about himself as shepherd. John chapter 10 is an amazing chapter. If you don't have anywhere to read in the Bible this week, could I suggest that you just go to John chapter 10? Because I do get this question sometimes on Sundays. Like, how do you start reading the Bible? After this sermon, you would do really well. Open up to John's gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament, and read verses 1 through 21. Jesus proclaims himself as the good shepherd. Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Does that phrase I am sound familiar to any of you? Remember like a bold, bold claim. Think Old Testament. Maybe the second book of the Bible. Exodus, before our Joshua series. Do you remember a, a nervous Moses outside of town kind of hiding out after murdering someone and God calls him to lead his people out of slavery? And Moses is like, there is no way that I could do this. Who do I say sent me? Who did God tell him was with Moses? I am. There is no more complete or bold or comprehensive statement about God. And if you're wondering who God really is, not who your Pentecostal church said he was, not, not who your Baptist church said he was, not who your Catholic priest said he was, not who your Methodist minister was, not, not who one of the former pastors of Harvest Community Church, not taking Caleb's word for it even on Sunday morning, but going into the Bible, God came in real time 2,000 years ago and he told you who he was and he didn't mince words. In the clarity of his statement, he said, I am the good shepherd. And you remember how when, when it was observed that when Jesus saw the crowds, he didn't just see them? You would do very well to read in the silence. You know how, you know how some of you who work with people for a living, you can you can you can it's as much as in what's not said as it in what's said. What didn't Jesus say? He saw the crowds and he didn't say, you're harassed and helpless because of all your sin and you deserve it and I'm going to leave you to it. 
He had, he saw, he had compassion, he was moved. And then now when he speaks, what does he say? He says, I am the good shepherd. And look at verse 11, put 11 up there. What does verse 11, the second half say? And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How does Jesus shepherd his people? How does Jesus prove that he is everlasting father to us chiefly by laying down his own life for his sheep? By not only seeing their condition and being present with them, not only being moved by compassion, because you can too walk by somebody in a hopeless state and feel moved. If you walk by somebody, this is even, even um, James says this, if you walk by somebody who's homeless and, and, and you're just like, oh, that's too bad. Or you even say like, go be fed. What does that do? Jesus doesn't just see. He's not just present. He's not even just moved with compassion in his heart. He takes action to help chiefly by laying down his own life to solve their situation. God's message to you, Harvest, this morning on this third Sunday of Advent 2023 is that Christ is not only aware and moved by your condition, but that he has gone to the greatest lengths to solve your situation by sacrificing himself to pay for all of your sins. This is your everlasting father. And if your earthly father got you off to a bad start, I am sorry. Maybe you didn't even have an earthly father around to build a bad foundation. And I am sorry for that. But I get to come to you this morning with the precious, clear, light-bearing message of God's word and tell you that Jesus Christ is your everlasting father, maybe that you've never known. As the scene in John 10 comes to a close, Jesus fulfills this role of everlasting father by saying this in verses 17 through 18. This is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. I, 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 this isn't the main point, but will you get this? We've been talking about how Jesus has fatherly care and compassion for us, but Jesus is also showing us that he is eternal and everlasting, that he's God. Do you know, do you know why? Jesus didn't come as a human being with all the limitations that I have, that I feel, that I know, that the, the limitations that you bump up against every single day. Jesus didn't come with those, those limitations. When he died on the cross, it wasn't because he was outwitted or somebody stole his life from him and that he like lost the um, 
trial that he was on for the death penalty and so had to die. Jesus Christ gave his life because he has the authority to do so from the Father. And just as he gave his life, he has the authority to take his life back up again and live for us today because Jesus has always lived. He is God and Jesus Christ lives now fully God and fully man at God's right hand. And Jesus Christ will always live. And and this is good news because if I told you that your enemy has always lived, your enemy lives now and your enemy will ever live, that would be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? But what if I told you that your eternal father who has always lived full of compassion and awareness and ability to help, who came to solve your situation and will stand forever, King of Kings, Lord of Lords in victory. He will always live to help you. What does that do for you? That is our hope and that is our future. And that brings us to what scripture says now. Where is Christ our everlasting father now? Let's go to the author of Hebrews as he closes his letter In chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How is Jesus Christ described now? And in case you need a reminder, he, lay, he came, first advent, he laid down his life, he took his life back up again, his resurrection was witnessed by many, he was ascended into heaven, fully God and fully man, he sat down because it is finished and he's at the right hand of the throne of the father as sure as you sit here today even more certain than the Packers play at noon today which is why the service is probably a little extra full today but as as certain as that is so Jesus Christ sits like Eric you sit in a gray padded chair Jesus Christ just as real if not more real than that sits at the right hand of the throne of his father in victory right now And what does that mean for you? As we close, I want to understand that. We have to back up into chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Do you remember? Jesus saw the crowds. He was aware and present. He had compassion and he was moved. He's not unable to sympathize with our weakness. But Jesus, since he was man and came and lived here, one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ wasn't just aware of those people 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ, seated seated at the right hand of God the Father right now, is aware of you. And anything he's aware of, you fill in the blank. I don't feel... What? I don't feel physically well. He knows what that's like. I feel very betrayed by people or even an institution. He felt that way. I'm grieving the loss of somebody close to me. He's felt that. I'm grieving the loss of a relationship. He's felt that way. I struggle with temptation to sin. Jesus was tempted in every way as you, except he just didn't sin. 
So he exists right now as a source of help that you can go to. So let us go to him. There is nothing you cannot go to him with today. And the good news is that Jesus doesn't just have the power to understand, but listen, Jesus has the power to help. Would you believe that as this sermon comes to a close, that there's more to come? Jesus isn't just seated, but there's a second advent coming. Jesus is coming again. There is more help. That right now, it's like we're actually navigating through something by faith, the book of Hebrews says, and we're going to come out the other side. The psalmist said it this way. The psalmist described it as a broad place. He brought me out to a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. This verse rang through my head out of nowhere on one of my favorite hikes that I've ever been on. We were, I had hiked in the Grand Teton National Park before and gone up to some of the Tetons, even up to some of the eastern-facing alpine lakes. But a friend and I last year had a desire to go, what if we could go through? And so we went through Cascade Canyon, and I want to show you a video from my phone as I was hiking through um, the woods, coming out, and I'm coming around a corner, and it comes out into this canyon. And it just, when the next video shows, the canyon just like opens up. It was dark. And the canyon is just broad. And you can't even appreciate it in my portrait-oriented videos here. But you get out into this place, and that's what rang through my head. The Lord brought me into a broad place. You can leave it on the last image. Even though we have everything right now in our everlasting Father, the church is unique because the church cries, even so come Lord Jesus, because the church believes there's more. The church believes Revelation 7 when it says this, they will no longer hunger, they will no longer thirst, the sun will no longer strike them, nor will there be any scorching heat for the lamb. You see that shift? The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, for the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. Isn't scripture beautiful? I never saw that till just now. The lamb shepherds the sheep. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the future for struggling Christians. As the worship team comes and we prepare to respond I want to declare to you in summary this morning that Christ has always lived in compassion for his people. He came in compassion for his people and he continues to shepherd us now through fatherly care and compassion and God will one day restore us fully. In fact, I do not believe in a heaven that is without grief and crying. I used to. We magically, we magically are before the throne and full of joy singing songs or something. 
Well, then what's the lamb doing coming wiping away tears from our eyes? There are problems that we struggle with now, though we have everything in Christ. There are problems that our world struggles with. There's problems that you struggle with. There are struggles that I have that you don't know of that I don't believe will be solved until we're before the throne when the, the lamb, our shepherd, our everlasting father comes and wipes away every tear from our eyes. But that day is coming. And for the weary, struggling Christian, that is why we cry, even so come Lord Jesus. What do you think of when you think of God as your father? Is it angry, distant, unavailable? Could you believe this morning, would you be willing to open yourself up to the fact that Christ has fatherly care and compassion for you? And as the musicians begin to play and the ushers prepare to distribute the elements, we get to remember this morning that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And I want to ask you a question. This third Sunday of Advent, would you be willing for Christ to have an advent into your heart for the first time? You see, I believe that there are several people gathered here, if not many, who have a wrong view of God. You believe God is distant and angry and you've been trying your whole life to do enough good to make him happy. And that is not the God of the Bible. The God that, of the Bible that knows your condition entered into your history to solve your situation and all he's asking you to do is embrace his love and his forgiveness of you and to receive him into your life. And I'm, I'm asking you this morning, maybe you were, you were raised in a context where you just had to pray enough, go to confession enough, take communion, be baptized. Maybe even here at Harvest, you thought if I join a small group or go to men's study, but none of that works. And I want to call you this morning to consider Christ who gave his life for you. And he's simply saying, will you let me in and solve your situation? Christian, maybe you began that way, but you've been continuing by your own works. And this morning, I want to remind you that Christ is present with you. God is with you and his presence is enough. As my spiritual director told me recently, the only thing holy about you, Caleb, is that God's presence is with you. And that presence is enough. God is here and God is enough. He's not asking you to do anything this morning. It's a Christian. Trust the fatherly care that Christ has for you. And let's remember him at the table.